Welcome to Arena Athletes, your home for MTG Arena Strategy. Step inside the digital arena with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Brought to you by Face to Face Games. You're listening to Arena Athletes number 124, an historic occasion. My name is David Seville. I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, David. How are you? It's good. I uh, haven't talked to you since I got back from GP Vegas. So I'm looking forward to giving you a whole trip report and making you incredibly jealous of all the things that I did, the people that I met, the food that I ate, the shows that I saw, kind of all of that stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to laying on real thick so that you come next time. Yeah, it sounds like everybody had a good time. I've seen a lot of pictures, heard a lot of good stories. I'm looking forward to hearing some more here. Uh, So it sounds like a good time was had all around and... Yeah, I could see me there one year. One year. So what did you do while I was gone? I've actually, I've been playing a lot of Magic. Um, I've done all of the land events, so I have my full collection of basic lands. I hit Mythic and Standard. I got close in Draft, and then decided I actually wanted to... It's it's kind of funny. So WoW Classic has been all the rage lately, and everybody's been streaming WoW Classic. And I was looking for a stream to watch the other night, and I saw a PUBG streamer I watch on occasion named Halifax, and his stream title was PUBG Classic. And I was like, huh, that's kind of funny. So I thought for a joke the next day, I would fire up the stream and call it MTG Arena Classic and do a draft on Magic Online just for a goof. Um, But I actually really liked it. So I've been drafting on Magic Online. Don't tell anybody. Uh, But I, I think I've done something like... I don't know, five drafts from the core set on Magic Online have a really good winning record and have been having a blast with that. Uh, but I am looking forward to getting back to Arena this week, trying out the Omniscience drafts, which I've never tried before. And I, I said I'm going to try those if they're still up when I get back. Uh, and I want to hit Mythic and Standard again. And then I like this um, new deal they're coming out with. And I know we're going to talk about that some, about design decks without the old sets. Um, so like, I was actually pretty excited about getting involved in that too. So there's a lot of magic stuff to come, but as far as what I was doing, I was sneaking away and drafting on magic online. You, you can't hear this on the podcast, but I'm giving Travis a death stare right now as he He, describes his magic online experience. He really is. It's the dirtiest look he's ever given me. Yeah. A pro tip for the omniscience draft. Omniscience, Um, I believe is how it's actually pronounced. Yeah. Uh, two Yorick Wavecrashers in any enter the battlefield condi- like uh, effect that mills your opponent or drains them for life or whatever uh, is a win con. So Yorick Wavecrashers and Corpse Knight uh, or the Sage's Road Denizen. Um, <laughs> That's really stupid. I wouldn't have yeah. thought of that. They just balance each other infinitely. Yeah. Um, and what did I watch the other day? Uh, Caleb went off on turn two with a 24-24 hasting uh versed claw he had double season of growth in play on like turn one and needed to hit a creature on turn two to scry and he had like a a targeting like a blade brand in hand or something like that and it went creature draw draw two cards blade brand draw a card you know scry a bunch and eventually just kept ripping creatures and auras built his verse claw up to like 18 24 but it had gauntlets of might or light or whatever which you deal uh, damage is toughness, and then active treason his own verse claw for lethal oh, on turn two. The literal verse. It w- it was incredible, uh, and that's when I knew that I would not be playing that format because I had seen it all already. Well, I'm going to try to make some magic happen uh, when I can get back in and try that. But I, I do want to hit Mythic and Constructed again. I think Esper still has some legs, so there's there's a lot of magic to be played as well. Oh yeah, and I mean we're only a couple of weeks away from uh, from the next set, and we got a state of the beta, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about that a little bit later after I do my Vegas trip report. But first, quick word from our sponsors: you, not you, you, the listener. Yeah, not not me. Although I'd like to think I'm participating some too. Uh, but if you're digging the show and you appreciate what we do, and you'd like to support it, we would love to have you become part of the Arena Athletes family on Patreon.com/slash Arena Athletes. Please check it out. Uh, You can donate as little as you want or as much as you want. It takes a donation per show, and you get access to some exclusive content, primarily the uh, pre-game shows. We record a mic check, which is basically Dave and I chatting 
for about 10 minutes or so, and you get access to those, um, which I think are kind of a fun little insight into how our brains work as we're putting a show together. Dave is actually just as nice on those as he is here, and I'm not. But <laughs> consider maybe checking that out. Uh, again, it's patreon.com slash arena athletes. If you dig the show and would like to support it, we could certainly use the help. And if that's not something that you're into, then we're glad you're here and listening. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. All right. And now I am going to inundate you with my GP Vegas trip report. Uh, I do have a written trip report in Travis's Discord. So if you're a member of his, of his stream community, you're subscribed to his stream, you can have access to his Discord and it is in there. Um, I don't even know where to start. So I flew in a day early. I flew in on Wednesday. Um, got a little bit of gambling in, but we're not going to talk about that on the podcast here. We're going to talk about magic. So I went down for Thursday to the GP, which is not as busy because the main event didn't start till Friday. I was confused. I th thought the main event started on Thursday and it was Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday for the next one. I did not do my main event. Um, I have never played Modern Horizons. I don't play Modern, so I figured I'd just skip that and do nothing but side events. So... Um, the first thing I did, actually, when I got there on Wednesday night is Scalding Hot Soup, Ian Suzuki, I think is his last name. Mm -hmm. uh, I drafted his cube. If uh, if you've ever drafted a cube, you know that cube curators usually take their cubes very seriously in paper. Um, I have never been more impressed and scared of a cube than I have when I, uh, than when I sat down with, with his cube. So, uh, great list, uh, powered cube, some, some proxies, but... I think only 20 cards in his cube were proxied, uh, which was kind of insane. And the, the the thing that got me the most was every player had their own color, which included dice, deck box, and playmat, and packs that he had pre-built and put cards in so that you knew which color was yours. So I was the yellow one, for example, and I got a little yellow deck box with these like plastic, hard plastic uh, cube boosters you know, with the cards already in them, and I had a little dice tray and stuff, and everything was great. So that was, it was insane. It was meticulous how great it was. And then when we sorted all the cards at the end, he wanted them separated a certain way, and it was kind of, like, insane. But it was super fun. I drafted, I didn't know how to draft it, because I don't really draft cube a lot, and I drafted, what did I draft? Mono white equipment. Uh, I got a, I got a Jite second pick, and a, a Stoneblade, what's the just recently on Band and Modern. Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic. Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic. Um, early in, in pack two. Early in pack two, early in pack one. Didn't matter. Um, and I got to search it up multiple times, and it was fantastic. Um, in one game... That seems Mother... pretty legit. It, it was pretty fun. Um, and in one game, I had Mother of Runes uh, on turn one, uh, Mystic on turn two, equipping on turn three, uh, or sorry, playing and equipping on turn four, I guess it would have been. And uh, giving it pro green so I could sneak through all my opponent's mono green blockers and then get enough counters on it to ping down all of his elves. And leaving him basically like with nothing on the other side of the battlefield. And it was kind of like the greatest thing I've ever done in Magic. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, cubes are fun. Ian's a fantastic guy. I've had the pleasure of doing some drafts with Ian and hanging out with him at GPs. Uh, so I can only imagine his cube was a blast. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, notables in the draft. Uh, drafted with uh, Jamie and John Rigotti. Uh, Jamie Topples of Streamer and Channel, Channel Fireball fame. She was in town to do the main event. They did the limited event. Lo and behold, they weren't doing anything on Thursday. And I'm like, hey, you guys want a team sealed? So we locked in our team sealed event. We did, uh, they had the three round M20 team sealed event in the afternoon. Now, for those that haven't done team sealed, we talked about it once or twice on the podcast. You gave us a little bit of a rundown, a crash course on it. You get 12 packs to build three decks. So you think like if you play two at a giant at your pre-release, you're getting two, 12 packs to build two decks. Significantly harder to do. Um, and then we played three rounds. And uh, if you've ever been to a GP, you get a bunch of prize tickets you can spend on the prize wall for every win that you get. So so we sat down, we opened our pool, um, and it was kind of busted. We had the Black Cavalier, uh, Mu Yang, um, a Najani as our kind of notable mythics. And then we had um, the the seven seven flying lifelink give all your creatures or all your flyers indestructible in white, um, and then just like solid removal like there was two murders a couple of bone splinters I had a couple of wing words it was just a really solid pool it felt like, and uh, so we sat down we're sorting everything out, and the first thing we did uh, was we built we had almost mono red so I grabbed all the red and a little bit of green, John grabbed green white because we had two iron root warlords. 
and Jamie grabbed um, black blue because we just had like an insane amount of black and blue. And we're sitting here, I'm building my mono red deck with a splash of green and John's going through his and we got all our colors really nicely sorted. And all of a sudden Jamie just stops and she says, guys, I have like seven cuts over here. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's cool. Like you got a really good deck. Don't worry about it. And she's like, no, no, no. Like I'm cutting way too many cards. Like we should split these colors up. And John and I both stopped and he's like, yeah, you know, like usually you build your first decks and they're usually wrong because you don't look at anything else. And he's like, why don't we mix these things up? So Jamie's like, I'll do black, white. There's a little bit of a life gain deck here. I can do that. Play with the Johnny, maybe try to wipe somebody's board. John can play green, black, splashing white, get a little bit of recursion going, and we'll just give all the Dave all the blue and red cards, and he'll just make like blue red elementals or whatever he can do. And it turned out that our three decks were insane. Like it was nutty how good the blue red deck that I ended up playing was. I had double Cloud Concealer, double Wing Words, Mu Yang, double Chandra's Outrage, double Shock, double Lavican Brawler. Um, Spectral Sailor, like it was, it was insane how much value I was getting, how many cards I was drawing off of this deck. Jamie's deck ended up being really busted because she got to play both of the really, really good mythics. And John's deck had the the two drop that gets a plus one plus one when you make tokens, mm-hmm. multiple pups, um, multiple bone splinters to make value out of the pups, and then the Iron Root Woolards, which also make tokens. So he was just doing this like grindy green black thing and winning games off of that so we sat down with three what we thought i thought they were average it's funny because i looked at the decks and i'm like yeah this is a good pool i guess like we'll probably win a couple of rounds and maybe win three if we're lucky they were busted like john and john and jamie were like you realize how good our decks are right and i'm like i don't know they they seem okay to me and they're like no like we got a stupid pool <laughs> i'm like okay if you say so right ha 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 i was wrong you got a stupid pool we got a stupid pool. So I wish I would have taken like an inventory of the entire pool and see how other people would have built because like looking back, we really did have some powerful cards. So that was a really good catch by Jamie there. I I've been in team sealed events where afterwards I recognized that my team had made that mistake of, we put two colors that were too strong together and ended up with worse overall deck. So that was a really good catch. And I'm glad you got to have a good experience. Needless to say, you guys got your three wins we did. Um, yeah, I kind of want to do like a little bit of a, of a round-by-round breakdown because I just had like really good notes, but I'll just give you kind of like the highlights. Um, round one was really close. Jamie unfortunately lost her round one game, and then John and I both went to time, but we both won on the first uh, turn of time. <laughs> nice. So yeah, like my my opponent had a really like grindy black-white deck, and he was playing the, uh, the blood-soaked altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a really close game one when I took a gamble, putting him to one, thinking I just have to get Chandra's Outrage or Shock off the top, and I didn't get there in, like, two or three draws, which was really unlucky. Like, I had, um, I also had Goblin Smuggler, which could have got through the extra points of damage, so I had, like, three outs out of my deck, which was, like, 20 cards left. So John's like, yeah, like, that's really good numbers to do that. And then I rolled him game two, rolled him game three. Um, in round two... Um, Jamie like swept hers immediately. It was crazy. So like a little bit of a pressure off on us because I'm still in game one and I'm locked in this like grindy battle against teamer elementals. He's gone wide. He's making five, five lands. He's like throwing the kitchen sink at me and I'm just holding everything off with Mu Yang trying to get removal spells so I can get some stuff out of the way and start peeling damage uh, through. And eventually I got there through what I thought was really tight play. I think that was one of my best matches of, of the night was that one. Um, and then I, I just rolled them in the next game. I played Lavican Brawlers and dealt a million damage. It was great. Goblin Smuggler is a stupid card, by the way. It's pretty good, especially the way you can activate it on the Brawler and then send the Brawler in and let it grow. It's almost like they designed it with that card in mind. Almost like that. And then round three, this was my favorite. So we talked about it before round three started and we have the option to drop, go 201 and without even having to, to tell our opponents we want to draw with them, we just drop from the event and we get an immediate draw to get half of the prize tickets that we would. Um, and that saves you splitting from your opponents. So you have to do that. And it's expected value-wise, if you think you're 50-50 to win the game, it's a it's a fine play to make. I'm like, I want to play because, like, I'm, I'm okay splitting the prizes, but I want to play because I'm here to play. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, you know, we'll, we'll play too, but we don't really care about the split. So we sat down with our opponents and I brought up, you know, their two, I asked them if they were 2-0. 
because if they're one one, they they don't want to split. They want to play for the prizes. So I asked them, hey, do you guys want to split the prizes and just play anyway? And they're like, well, we have an event in 30 minutes that we got to get to. And I'm like, great, they're going to split. We'll just play for 30 minutes and they can get up and go. And they're like, so we thought you'd be, we'd beat you in less than that so we can make our event on time. And I look at John and Jamie and they're just like shaking their heads. I'm like, it's on. Let's go. We're, we're going to crush these fools. And uh, I completely smoked my opponent. In like game one or game two, I went Spectral Sailor into Winged Words, into Cloud Conseer, into... I don't remember what the fourth one. I want to say it was Lavican Brawler, but basically I never had an empty. Like I always had six or seven cards in my hand, and my opponent just could not keep up. It was so good. Then we rolled them. That's fantastic. Nothing so like good. knocking out the trash talkers. Congratulations, Dave. It's so good. So yeah, so we did that. Um, that was easily like the probably the best experience of my weekend and the highlight. Other highlights, I got to play in the loading ready run. Um, kind of community draft i got to play against james from lrr he was in my draft pod um and the winner of the draft pod gets a custom playmat it's got their like loading ready run 2019 vegas which is um their puppet characters i forget the name of names of them and um they're in a scene from uh fear and loathing in las vegas okay and 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 so it's like it's pretty classy. like it's pretty funny uh maybe not classy but it's it's definitely a nice little playmat and um I drafted Teamer Elementals with Omnath pick one, pack one, and I got a Risen Reef in pack three, like, super late, so, like, I was totally in the right colors, and, um, by the way, the number of times I Risen Reefed plus Scorching, or, uh, Scampering Scorcher? No, not that one. The one that makes three Elementals. Oh, three God, ones. never mind, stop. Yeah, it was, it was so good. Like, I Omnath an opponent for, like, seven damage to the face, it was great. So I win my first two rounds. Uh, round one wasn't close. Round round two was really close. My opponent had a 5-5 Cavalier, the blue one, and I didn't have removal for it, so I just had to make sure that I, I dodged that in game three, and I did. And then I got to the, the third round, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'll line myself up to win this playmat, get some tickets, you know, shake hands with the big wigs, you know, meet the, get the loading ready, run crew to sign it or whatever. And I'm up against David, my opponent, is he couldn't have been more than 10 years old. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this playmat. You know, I, I, I didn't I, I didn't think that I was 100% to win, but you know what? Before the game even starts, I'm just going to say, hey, man, like, do you want this playmat? If you do, it's yours. Like, win or lose, you get the playmat. We'll just play for the tickets. We'll just play for the 3-0. Um, but you enjoy your playmat as long as you play on it while we're playing so I can, like, at least enjoy it there. And his dad is next to him, and they were, like, kind of thrilled about that. And, uh, and so we sat down and played, and I rolled him he was playing greenway tokens like he was a good player he was he's a really good player and he won some really good rounds but his deck just didn't do its thing against me and i got to flame sweep him out of contention twice and uh and so i went home with a 3-0 but i think more importantly is that kid gets to go home and show his friends the cool playmat take it to his lgs and i told him just tell his friends that he 3-0'd like he won the whole thing and he got the playmat for it so hopefully he gets to tell a pretty cool story and his gp vegas experience sounded like it was his first gp um and they hadn't been playing for very long like his dad had played before but it, it sounds like they only started going pre-releases recently so i hope i made their day um and it sounds like he got it all signed from all the crew and stuff so like okay so now i'm now i'm 6-0 in in events that count to me and i'm up one on like the the good deed scale so like i'm rolling like i can't get i it can't get worse from here it just can't i've i've hit like I've hit the minimum. Like I cannot go below this anymore. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm high on life and magic is great. Period. That was super cool, Dave. Like you're just a super nice guy. That was an awesome thing to do. I they can't see it, but I'm just sitting here smiling from ear to ear as he's telling this story. Cause that's just good, yeah. wholesome magic. It may. And like the, the, the other thing that I didn't really even really get into is during the draft, there was, um, I don't remember her name, but there was a girl. She was maybe probably 13, 14, maybe even younger, um, but she knew one of the people that was going around with Ethan and Ben's crew from Lords of Limited, and I don't remember the lady that she knows from back home. And she was just, she was super talkative, super nice, and so I was engaging her in conversation. What do you like about Magic? You know, you like Commander? Oh, I don't really play Commander, but I think it's cool that there's a new deck. So we had this, like, the whole table got engaged in this conversation around this this young girl, and it was super cool thinking to myself, it's like, like, this is the future of magic. This, these are the kids that are coming up and going to play magic and the values we, you know, show them and present to them. Now they are going to present those tenfold when they get to a magic table 10 years from now with kids that are their age, Half right? Their age, yeah. And, and so 
like it was a real cool opportunity to see the community kind of come together and just have this like magic conversation and in that moment we were all magic players none of us were old none of us were young male female it didn't matter um and i thought that was really cool so and then like the last highlight that i have i played a little bit more magic outside of these three events but these were the kind of the ones that were the the key ones to me is i got to do a chaos draft against the um i was gonna say limited resources lords of limited crew so ben and ethan uh, Charlie Strix familiar, and they had a bunch of other people that were down. Uh, Mossy Beard was there too, and we got to do a chaos draft. It was great. I ended up going 2-0 and then beating Ethan in the finals, and he rolled me. Unfortunately, I did not defend the podcast very well. His his deck was busted. He had like multiple one, multiple turns where he went turn one Utopia Sprawl, turn two Palladium Mirror, turn three like I have seven mana. I'm just gonna play whatever I want for my hand. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a close game. Like it went to it went to game three. I had to mole twice in game uh, in game three, but that didn't matter. He was going to roll me either way with his with his opener. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to draft with those guys. They're super nice. Um, I'm glad to call them internet friends and now real life friends. But the highlight of that chaos draft was um, playing against uh, I can't remember his his real life name, but he's he's Doctor Stupid on Twitch, and uh, he's playing Aerial Assault in Chaos, which is super impressive big butt area or not aerial start um assault formation and um i was in game two i won game one and i my hand was slow i had like a four drop and a six drop and combat tricks and i'm like whatever i'm, I'm gonna keep it like i've got three lands this is fine he removed my four drop and played a, a defender or something on turn five and turn six i stick my colossal dreadmaw which i picked up on a lark because there was nothing else in the pack i'm like ha, 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 i'm gonna draft colossal dreadmaw it's in every format Turn seven, my opponent's tapped out. I swing with a six six. He doesn't block. I ask him if he's tapped out. He's like, Yep. I'm like, You're at twenty life. He's like, Yep. Giant growth, nine nine. Uncanged fury, ten ten double strike. Take twenty. Game? <laughs> That's a pretty good turn, man. <laughs> I twentyed somebody with Colossal Dreadmaw in Chaos Draft. Oh, on man. turn seven. Colossal on Dreadmaw format defining all star in literally every format that it's in. So I feel real bad because he's such a nice guy, but like, obviously that would be tilting, right? Even in a fun draft, that would be incredibly tilting. And I think what made it worse is the people that were behind him that were watching this all unfold just doubled over in laughter. Like they could not hold it in. They were like, (laughs) it was a knee slapper. Like, how do you not laugh if you're an observer to this game? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, with this like cheeky grin on my face, like, I'm sorry, but I had to like, and he's kind of putting it all together in like, like this, like, you 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 put these three cards together in your deck and i'm like it wasn't really for this reason like you know like i just put three cards in my deck in my green red deck and uh you could see the wheels turning of like do i quit magic now do i come back and play another draft like wh- what should i do after this so it, it was kind of fun and then i got to play against uh strix familiar charlie he's on he's on twitch and that was a really cool match too he's a really cool guy so um i got to play like with and against all of my idols in the magic community and uh and it was a really fun weekend i had a blast i came home with like a backpack full of swag um i ended up trading a bunch of prize tickets to a judge on site that wanted to buy a, a an oversized card so i just saw a random retweet from like emma handy and uh and they were like yeah like i, I want these prize tickets so i can get this uh this oversized card and i'm like i have prize tickets i don't want an oversized card so we made a swap. They uh, they ended up getting me some a little bit more M20 product than I would have bought anyway, and uh, so they went home with a card. Like there's more like good deeds that I that I did, and it was it was awesome. So I came home with like two boxes of M20, like two play mats, a bunch of individual cards, um, and it was super cool. So yeah, like obviously it was all highlights for me because it was a really good weekend. But I think it's pretty tough to go to one of these things and play Magic and not have fun. Yeah. Okay. There's a little bit of jealousy. A little bit of jealousy. Just a little bit? Yeah. Did I get you on that one? A little right, bit, cool. yeah. It sounds like... It, you, I, I was kind of like, okay, 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 until you got to Chaos Draft with Ben and Ethan. Because, like, Ethan is good people, and I would consider him a close internet friend. And Chaos Draft is just kind of the best way you can ever play Magic. So, yeah, it sounds like a good time was had. I'm glad you got to go out there, man. It's pretty tough to go to a convention where everybody there shares the hobby with you, even if it's not necessarily in the same way. 
Yeah. Because everybody is passionate for one thing or another, and you will find people that share your passions. It was not hard to find people to draft with. And, like, I even did, like, turbo drafts where you draft and play one round and then drop, and they were cheap. But it's like, I just want to get a quick game, and let's go draft. And, like, you meet, like, neat people. You meet people that are are kind and friendly and fun. I mean, there's always some jerks, but it's like, they get drowned out in the noise. And it's, it's if you've never been to a GP, and I regret taking so long to go to GPs because I went to my first one back in March or whatever here in Calgary. Like, I'm not going to make that mistake. Like I'm going to find an excuse to travel to a GP sometime in the near future and I'm going to enjoy it. So if you're out there and you're like, are GPs for me? Are you a magic G- player? You'd probably GPs have a good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I got custom tokens made. I got, I brought Kayla home a, a custom token from Inkland customs. That was super cool. I bought um, like, I bought a nice playmat from one of the vendors out there. Like it, it was, yeah, overall you can find something for you and it was super cool. So, uh, go with friends is the only thing I recommend. Yeah. We, or, or make friends when you're there. That works too. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll post these, uh, these pictures of my two decks that I took pictures of, um, up on, on the Twitter, on the arena underscore athletes, Twitter. Uh, I'll do that after the podcast here. So you can go and take a look at those and let me know what you think. And, uh, if you have any questions about my draft or the experience or whatever, or even you want to share your, maybe you were at GP Vegas. I met a bunch of people there um, from internet, like internet friends. Um, Ilian, he's been on the podcast. He was down there. I've met him before, but we got to, uh, uh, got to hang out a little bit, played some craps. Um, they did a conspiracy draft. Tanos, I don't know if you know Tanos on Twitch. I don't know if yeah. he stops by your channel, but he's, um, he's a Twitch. <laughs> he's, I don't know. He, he gives away so many gift subs on Twitch. Um, and it was cool to meet him finally, put the, the face to the name. So, um, Michael Sun, Mercurial Blue, who's so positive on Twitter. He was out there, too. I didn't get to play with him. Or did I? Was he in the draft? The cute. I saw a picture of you and him kind of, like, posing for the camera with your eyes closed. Oh, yeah. Like, I take a terrible picture when I'm trying to, like... <laughs> I, I never know when I'm okay to blink. And I wish he would have taken another picture. But, yeah, so... It um, was kind of perfect. Like, it was, I it really was a little liked perfect. it. Yeah. It was a little perfect. Uh, no, it was super fun. Um, I can't wait to go again. And, um... Uh, probably not next year, but I'm definitely counting down the days to my next GP, whether that's Vegas or elsewhere. Nice. Nice. It sounds like you had a blast. That's it. And then if you want to know about any of my other non-magic exploits, um, I am a Vegas veteran, so you can just send me a message on Twitter, and uh, and I'll tell you about all the shows and the food that I ate. Well, just real quick, tell me one of the shows. I went to Opium. Was it good? Uh, Yes. It was a... um, it's it's a raunchy variety show is the best way to describe it. Okay. So it, it was it was very, very good. All right. Well, you have successfully put me in a good mood with a lot of good stories. Thank you, Dave. That's going to make talking about this next thing a lot easier. We do have to talk about the elephant in the room, don't we? Yes. State of the beta. All right. Where do you want to start with the state of the beta? Well, let's let's start with where we thought it was going to be. Because I remember about a month ago, the announcement came out that Historic would be coming out and it would be a fun, casual event. And people were pretty upset about that. And what we have is significantly better than that, right? I think in theory we do, if you ignore maybe the cost to entry. So I think the biggest complaint was that there was no competitive or ranked format for Historic, right? Yeah, and it looks like we're going to have a competitive and ranked format, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things that I don't really like about this one. Um, well, first, let's say what it is, right? Like, Go for it. Let, let's walk through here what's happening here. So at, as it appears with Historic, what we're going to do is we're going to have a ranked queue best of three available for Historic. And what is Historic? Historic is the cards that have rotated out of standard plus what's currently in standard. So coming up here just this month, we're going to lose Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan, Dominaria, and M19. There will be a new format beginning with those sets, um, starting out called Historic. You'll be able to play it in a ranked best of three queue. It looks like it'll be available towards the end of a standard rotation, not all the time. Um, and it, like also running through this... They're going to add curated cards in. So they'll say, here's a card we're adding to Historic. Maybe it's Lightning Bolt, for example. We don't know what they're going to be. I think they mentioned that Dark Confidant would be one. So we like we could think about something like that. Uh, and that we'll be able to go through events to do those. 
Uh, the big thing that a lot of people don't like, and I don't like it either, is that if you're going to make cards for the historic format out of wild cards, it's going to cost you an extra wild card for each card that you craft. So if I want to make a rare for standard, it's one wild card. If I want to make a rare for historic format, it's two. Uh, but that's generally what this announcement was. Like, I'm fluffing over some good stuff here because I want to get to the contentious bits and talk about those. But they are giving us some pretty generous rewards just for logging in um, when this starts. They're giving you basically 12 packs if you go through the set mastery thing and just play the game. Uh, and they're starting you out with 10 rare individual cards. Uh, like, there's there's some good stuff here as well. But I, I think the biggest point of contention was the double-cost wild cards. Is Is that kind of what most people are upset about? Yeah, I mean, obviously you can understand why, right? It's like, here's cards that cost one wild card. Everything costs one wild card. That's what a wild card is. And now all of a sudden things are doubled. So I think the key thing that that we need to evaluate this from is the, the, the challenge that Wizards has to solve. And I'm not going to defend them in this because I don't like the two-for-one wild card thing. But when I sat down and thought about, okay, is this something I can complain about or is this something that I can solve because I'm, I solve people's problems. That's what I do is what, what is wizards? What is, what is Watsi's challenge when it comes to the historic format? I think the challenge for them when they introduce a format like this is these historic players, players that play only historic are a little bit like modern players in that Modern players, I think, out of all of the people that spend money that play with with a great frequency on Magic, probably spend the least. Because they there are very, very few cards that come out in new sets that are for them. Now, they've solved this, Wizards has solved this, and I use solved from a business perspective. They have, they have created sets that are for modern players only in paper. Right, so that they can they can incentivize modern players to have to buy product and buy cards and, and things like that. So so they've solved that in paper, but they can't do that necessarily on arena right now with historic. So in order for them to kind of be able to make money off of a format, they need people to be, you know, spending gems or spending wild cards on that format. Now that's money or time because if you're a free-to-play player, obviously you're not going to be spending dollars on this, but what they need to do is they need to make sure that the format that they release is sustainable economically from their perspective, right? So their solution was, okay, well, we will just, we will increase the cost on historic players by increasing the wild cards, which will incentivize maybe them to spend some dollars to buy some extra packs to get some wild cards. So they will be continue to be invested in new sets going forward because that is how they get wild cards. That that is that is what that is their take on that. And if you kind of read through the article and you kind of watch the the Q and A video, that's you know basically what I gathered from from what they're trying to do. Now, right or wrong is independent of that. I think that is the solution. Or that is the problem that they have to solve, and this is the solution that they've come up with. Now, obviously, you're a bit miffed about the 2-to-1, and I think a lot of people are. Why are you miffed about the 2-to-1? Can you maybe just, just break down that argument for us? Well, here was my concern. So I, I, I think, I guess I'm coming at it from a slightly different perspective, and that their real issue is that they wanted Arena to be a showcase for standard, and that they're concerned that too many people might be playing Historic. Like when your cards rotate, they don't want you just to move to the historic format. They want you to buy the new cards, right? And keep playing that. And so for me, I felt like if I'm a player and I'm a free-to-play player and I've spent all this time and I've built this collection, as soon as it rotates, I am going to go play historic and I'll slowly acquire the cards to get back into standard. And that the way to make sure people are still interested in standard is to make sure all the big tournaments are still standard, which you could still do with Mythic Qualifier Weekend you know, I cast the Phantom Legends events. It would surprise me if we're doing historic events, you know, in two weeks, because everybody's going to want to see the Throne of Eldraine stuff, not see more Teferi's cast. Um, so, like, I think that was a big part of it. And the other thing that sort of miffed me about it is, like, you know, if I need to go to the grocery store, I don't go outside and start mining for ore so that I can build a car. Like, that already exists, and we can just use that format. And like Hearthstone faced this challenge, solved it and solved it well. 
has a format where you can use your old cards and still has people buying tons of new cards when they do new set releases. And they basically did it exactly like this, except without the two-for-one wildcard solution. For them, you can't buy the packs at all. And in this, Wizards will still let you buy the packs, just the 45-pack bundle. So that actually seems more generous to me. Like, you can go buy these historic sets if you want to. I like that. Um, but Hearthstone did it without that and was able to keep all of their tournaments focused on their standard set, which kept people buying the new sets. Like, I agree to an extent that modern players are people that aren't necessarily going to buy more cards, but I, I don't think you're really going to... Maybe you will get some people that are just interested in historic here, but that was the other weird thing about it for me, is like these curated cards that they're going to introduce into it is making this format almost impossible to port to paper, which I thought would be a neat crossover thing they could do here. Because we've got Legacy, we've got Vintage, we've got Modern, and all of them have a start here position with a ban list. And this one is going to have a start here, but also include a random card from Dissension and a random card from 4th Edition and these three random cards from Kaladesh. And like, I, I, I guess I was a little hurt because I, hurt isn't the right word, disappointed, because I had anticipated something like this format's going to start with M and Cat forward. I was like, that'll be cool because we know those are, we've played with those in Arena, so presumably they're coded in there. I was like, that'd be neat. Like, if I get to draft Hour of Devastation, I don't care if it's against bots. I'll, I'll do whatever I gotta do to draft that format forever. But I guess the short version of why was I disappointed about it is because I couldn't really understand a solid reason for it other than they didn't really want people to play this format. And like, I get that from a one position, but from the other, I'm like, just make all your tournaments focused on standard. People will still play standard. I feel like the curated cards is probably a reason for them to encourage people to spend money on the game if they only want to do historic as well. Yeah, and that makes you know some I mean? sense. I just it does feel like a real detriment. Like if let's say that you are a magic player, you've played standard, you've played some draft, and you're like, "Hey, what's modern?" and you ask somebody to explain what modern is. And it's so easy to say, well, it's all the cards that started with, it's 8th edition, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so just all the cards that came out after 8th edition with the modern card frame. And you're like, oh, that even explains why it's named that. And they're like, well, what's Legacy? Well, that's everything, you know, with a ban list. What's Vintage? That's everything without a ban list. Like, you can explain what these are relatively easy to people. Even with Frontier, I think that started with cons. Like, all of these different formats, even some of them that didn't really catch on popularly, had a start with this set forward thing going. And I had assumed that Historic was going to be something like that. Um, but instead, it, it's just sort of, well, it's starting with Ixalan, but has all these other cards in it, too. And that's fair. Like, it looks like you're going to be able to get these these curated cards through events. And if you miss the events, you'll need to go back and craft them so that you can play them in the Historic decks. Uh, but it also looks like, I mean, if Dark Confidant is any <laughs> illustration, then you're going to have to go back and craft these these cards. Because, like, if Dark Confidant's in the format, that's a format-warping card. Like, it's good enough for modern. There's legacy decks that play that. Like, you're going to need to craft that. Hot take? I dislike the curated cards more than the two-for-one wild card ratio. I think that's a fair hot take. I... I worry that you'll end up with, like you said, format-defining cards that you're going to have to buy four of if you're going to play Historic, and there's going to be 20 of them every couple of months. Mm -hmm. And if you're playing, like... If, if, if Dark Confidence in the format, if you're playing any non-black color, like, obviously you're not playing Dark Confidant, but if you're playing anything that's playing black, you have to have four of them, or three of them, or, or whatever it is. And it's just going to be... I imagine what's going to end up happening is you're just going to end up with, you know, one or two meta decks that use these cards until they insert like 200 curated cards or something like that, right? But they have to balance standard, modern, brawl, commander, limited, and then they also have to have considerations for like legacy formats as well and also, you know, maybe some block constructed in there once in a while. Are they really going to throw Historic on top of that and just say, like, now we're also going to have this format that we have to run past our play design team, make sure that we're not going to break the format? Because the worst thing they could do 
is if you have this list of curated cards that people have to spend double their wild cards on, is to turn around and ban one of those. Catastrophe. Would I mean, obviously everybody's going to get a refund on their cards, but, like, if, if you mess that up, you are already, like, on the precipice of falling over, like, when it, when it comes to um, trust with your player base and your consumers. Like, you have to tread a very fine line, and if the format you create is not fun, it's going to be DOA. It is going to be dead on arrival. You know, I, I saw somebody on Twitter say this. I think it may have been Sam Black, but I'm not 100% certain it was him. But he said that part of the thing, the problem with curated cards is that it robs players from a sense of discovery. And I really think he's onto something there. I don't play it a lot now, but there was a time about two years ago where I was playing a lot of modern on Magic Online. And one of the neat things about that format was like I was there when there was no deck called Lantern Control and Death's Shadow was a very cheap rare from Zendikar Block that was just kind of left over in people's boxes. Those are two of the big decks in modern, or at least they became big decks in modern. I don't know if they still are, but while I was playing, like Lantern Control and Death Shadow were just absurdly powerful decks, and they were sitting there in the card pool. Nothing new came out to make them playable. Just nobody had looked at putting all these cards together yet. And when someone did, my God, did it become powerful. And it was neat that they were just kind of laying there undiscovered, and then someone found them and took these decks from, like, something you'd never heard of to decks that I, I bet people who don't even really play modern have at least heard of the horrors of playing against Lantern Control or how scary Death Shadow was in modern. Like, we're really not going to have the opportunity to do that as if these curated cards just slot into some of the existing archetypes. And they're kind of pointing at you, like, what archetypes you should be playing with a particular curated card, like... If there's not a Jun deck with Dark Confidant, you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Also, I imagine, at least when it comes to the newer sets that are releasing cards that are, are really powerful and standard, there's often follow-up sets, or even in the same set, some kind of way to deal with those cards. Right? Like, you remember Abraid. Abraid was a way to help deal with the artifact menace mm -hmm. that was happening because it dealt with creatures and it dealt with artifacts, and it was great. Well, let's say you have... I, I can't think of a really powerful artifact that you would... But let's say they, they throw in an artifact. Um, what's a good one? Aetherworks that, Marvel. That, Aetherworks Marvel, and let's say there's energy to support it, right? But they don't put a braid in the curated list. And a braid isn't a card because we don't have the Amon Ket block that a braid was in. Well, now you've got a, a format-defining card without the answer for it that came in a, in a, in a set that was either the same set or the set right after it. Like, how is that going to work? You're going to end up with these like swingy formats unbalanced. And like, I give credit to the play design team. I do. But can you really balance the next limited set and standard and modern and a new historic set where you got to curate 20 cards that go into a format once every couple of months? I'm not sure you can. And like, I think I think I would just much prefer it if those cards didn't exist. But I understand why they exist, because it's cool. You want to insert new cards. You want to give the opportunities to, to players on Arena to play with these cool cards, and maybe that gets them into Paper Modern. Like, there's an opportunity here. I get that. But I would just much rather if it was just give me a whole set. Give me Amonkhet. Give me Kaladesh. Give me Shadows of Randestrad. And then give me all the sets going forward. I think that would be fine, and then it has that parallel to paper that you can play. It, remember when we had Popper, and there was a difference between the, the paper Popper and the Magic Online Popper? Yeah. They only recently, after years of complaints, only recently brought those two lists together, so now they play with the same list. How long is it going to be until we can play Historic and Paper? And maybe people want to do that, but they won't be able to because of these curated cards. Yeah, especially, like, again, if one of them's Dark Confidant, like, if you think Teferi's expensive... Let me tell you a story. Like, and then the other thing was like, as I read through this, it said this, the, these ranked historic cues aren't even going to be available all the time. So like, you can't even really be a historic only player, which again, I understand why they would want you not to be a historic only player, but like, good Lord, just give me incentives to play standard. Give me, give me a carrot, not quite so much stick. And I think I'm happy. Are you ready to hear my solution for this? Yes, please. Okay. 
I have two solutions. You can pick which one you like because I think they're both equally okay. The first solution is keeping a thing that I don't like, which is the curated card list, making those cost double wild cards only, and all of the other historic cards that you would normally open in packs. So, for example, Dominaria has rotated out. It is now historic. Those cost one-to-one. So, if you are a historic-only player, you are on the hook to buy, let's say, maybe maybe you don't have to buy all 20 curated cards every time they come out once every couple of months. Maybe you buy 15 or 10 of them or whatever. Those are the ones you're on the hook for only. Because you're going to have some collection from before. Maybe you need to buy a couple of lands. Those are going to cost you the one-to-one. Because you could have bought them in standard. We're not going to penalize you for waiting until you needed them in, histor- in historic. So you don't have to have that worry of... I really should I really should buy it now because I might use it when I play historic when the set rotates out in a year. You don't have to worry about that. That's my solution number 1. I don't like that because it forces us to keep curated cards around. Solution number 2, remember what the problem is is we need a way for our historic players to be able to contribute back to the bottom line because if historic does not make them money, they're not going to support it. Step 1, No rank queue for historic. Step two, have good constructed, uh, good historic events, tournaments. So for example, we have the uh, constructed tournament, not tournament, but the uh, event where you can pay 5,000 gold to enter and you you get up to five wins or two losses and then you get prizes based on that. um, I don't play it anymore, but you know the one I'm talking about where you get ICRs and, and gold as rewards. That is your... That is your constructed historic event or queue that you enter. So if you want to play historic, you can free play. There's no ladder play. But instead, you pay 250 gems or the equivalent of gold or 500 gems or the equivalent of gold to play in these historic constructed queues. And then you get the same thing that you would in the as the standard constructed queue or maybe better prizes. Maybe it's like, you know, a little bit higher entry but better prizes and this would attract the people that take Historic seriously and encourage them to spend money because the reward at the end is greater as well. So you give them a little bit of a higher stakes event, at least when it comes to Arena's terms. Um, you don't gouge them on the rake like we do in um, uh, Limited, in Best of Three Limited. And maybe you, you tone back the, the prize packs you give them and give away a few more gems instead. So you still want to make money off of it. But they, instead of them spending money on cards, because they've got the entire collection already and they don't want to do that, they spend money on entering events instead. I like the first one better. Mm-hmm. However, what's wrong with just doing what Hearthstone does? It it depends, right? Like, if, if that model turns out where the historic players do not contribute to Wizards of the Coast bottom line, then there's no reason for, the, for them to support the format anymore. That's, I think, what they're trying to avoid. What, so if it if it turns out that it that that they are wrong, that the historic players do contribute to the bottom line without having the two to one wet wildcard ratio and without either of my solutions happening, then I think great, good for them. They can just go back on it, make it say, look, we did rerun the numbers, it's gonna work out for us. Historic players are great for us. But I think it would be a disaster if historic players just never spent any money on it, which is funny because that's what's gonna happen right now. Well, what so you say they won't support the format. What does that mean in terms of arena? Because when you say it in terms of something else, it would mean like they're not running GPs or FNMs and it's difficult to find somewhere to play X format. Frontier would be a great example of a format they didn't support. Pauper would be a great example of a format they didn't support, but now do. And Modern would be one where they said we're not going to do Modern Pro Tours, but then they did and have changed that. Like here, if the format was literally, yeah, you can enter a ranked queue with all the old cards, like they barely even need to support it. Just have the ranked queue there. I think think what they've done is they've run it into a spreadsheet and they've determined that historic players just won't spend money. And, And I think that's a fair assumption for them to make. But I think that the opposite could also be true is that Historic players, when they play, will play more and will spend more money because they want to do drafts and they want to do other things and they want to play standard. I think the assumption, somebody somewhere is probably assuming that there will be historic-only players when it comes to -to free-to-play players. And if you have players that are 
so you have you're, you're going to have historic only players you're going to have non-historic players and you have people to play both and i think what they're afraid of is that they have people right now that play both right that 100 percent of their player base right like plays either standard or limited or both but if you take a chunk of those standard players and move them out into historic and they and they never want to play standard again you've like lost those players in a way because if if those players spend no money you've essentially lost them right like they're off doing their own thing they're playing against each other and you've lost a, a portion of your player base is a, is a really good way to look at it if you take historic away and they can't play those cards in any meaningful way like you've already lost them anyway so it like some of them might come back and play standard and, and i mean this all sounds really malicious and stuff, but you have to understand it's not, right? They, they're a business, right? Like, they're just running these numbers on a spreadsheet. That's all we are right now in this context is we're just numbers on a spreadsheet. But, you know, if when I say not supporting historic, I just mean, like, not encouraging people to, to play it. So it'll still be there, and you can still use your own cards, but there won't be a reason to do it because they want those players to be playing formats that contribute to the bottom line. And it sucks because they're a business, but if that business makes no money, then Arena doesn't, doesn't exist, yada, yada, yada. So, like, I see where they're coming from. I, I really do. But, like, think of, like, you know, I don't know. A really good example of that is, like, vintage players or, like, old school players where they're, like, they've got their collection. Like, they just go around the country going to, like, these, like, not really Watsy run eternal ma- eternal ter- Eternals tournaments and there's never any product for them to buy. Like, when was the last card that they bought for a vintage deck? It was, like, Palace Jailer out of Battle Bond or whatever it was. Not Battle Bond. I Conspiracy mean, too. I guess what I said, right? Like a, a like a fifty cent uncommon or whatever. But like, I, I think I think it's a real risk. I think it's probably not as like it doesn't have then to be why as cr- I mean, pronounced. The, the, the big thing for me is why didn't it crush Hearthstone? Because all they did was say we're not going to sell the packs for the old sets. We're going to focus on our. They eventually renamed their set Standard and Wild. So instead of Historic, they have Wild. Their ranked queue lets you play either. And it's fine. You can craft the cards for wild, but you can't buy the sets. So that would be the same as them saying, hey, you can use wild cards on these old sets, but you don't have to. And that means that most people that are coming in to Arena, if we take that situation here, probably wouldn't go craft a bunch of historic cards because it would take a lot of money to go craft all of the things from that. But if you wanted to, you could. So generally speaking, if you want to queue for wild in Hearthstone, like you're going to be playing some of the same people and you're going to see some of the same old decks. But it is like, hey, once your deck is rotated, you can still go play it here. And if you want to, you can even use your wild cards to find some, you know, cool old cards that went to it and have that journey of discovery moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't understand why that couldn't work for us here. And you're probably right. It probably could. Right? Like, I mean, it's very possible that the people that are making these these decisions are wrong. And it's possible that I'm wrong because obviously I don't have all the information. So the only thing we can say for sure is that it's not possible that I'm wrong. Um, no, you're never wrong. See, so we can at least agree on that. You've you've heard it here first, but I don't know. Um, I I understand the outrage. I do, right? Because it's like, you know. I've, I've spent my dollar buying the same product for years and now it costs me $2 to get the same thing is what it feels like. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, it's I, more I, punishing. I just... So here's, here's my last bit on it and then we can wrap this up. I, I don't feel like it's that bad for me. I feel like it's no. super bad for Sandy who starts playing arena a year from now and is super mm-hmm. into it. And buys all the cards for standard and is like, oh yeah, this is fun and has a blast. And then rotation happens and Sandy's like, uh, it's okay. I'll just play this historic thing. I'd been meaning to look into that anyway. I'll play my old deck in historic and then jumps in a historic deck queue with their, their, you know, cards that have just rotated out of standard and is getting their butt kicked by stuff from Ixalan and Dominaria. And they're like, wow, there's these cool old sets I can play here. How do I get those? And they're like, wait a minute, what? I have to pay twice as much for these cards? Why would I do that? That means mm-hmm. I have to either do that or go buy the new ones? This sucks. And I guess what they're thinking is some number of Sandys will say, guess I'll buy the new ones. And like, I understand yeah. that. It's just like, why make it so much rougher for people that want to play your game? Because like, I, yeah. I think part of what makes Standard popular is that's what you see everybody playing. Like, that's what people are writing about. That's what people are talking about. 
Um, so I, I, I just, I had higher hopes for historic and this is certainly a better presentation than what I thought we were going to get. Cause initially I thought we were going to get, you can use historic and direct challenge and casual play. That's going to be like, that kind of sucks guys. And this is way better than that. Uh, but it's still, I, I don't think it's as good as it could be. And wizards, I think you can do better. Show me you can do better. I agree. Um, you mentioned that you saw a tweet about, um, who is it, John Lokes, that said that uh, they kind of had that model with Magic Online where they would release a price point and players would complain and then they would walk it back and lower the price point. Um, it, I read that same tweet and I, I have to disagree with the interpretation of that because that's how business works in general. Um, I, I work in software. I work for a software development company. Um, we will put out a quote that is competitive because we want to get the business, but we also put out a quote that we will make money off of because we want to make money and keep the doors open. And if our, if our potential client comes back and asks us to sharpen the pencils or says we got a better offer, maybe we'll look at it and see if we can make that tweak. Um, but you know, a a new car goes on the lot for $30,000 and somebody will buy it. And if they don't, then we'll lower the price and we'll put it on sale for $28,000 and then somebody will buy it. That's just how business works. So to say that, you know, Wizards is being greedy because they release a higher price point and then they walk it back. No, it's like they release what they thought that they could make, that they could get people to pay for because they thought it was reasonable for them and reasonable for the player. You don't release things that that all players are going to find unreasonable because then you'll make zero dollars. But they thought that there was going to be a certain number of players that were going to be okay with this. And maybe they didn't think it all the way through, but it's not malicious on their part trying to make trying to run a business and then they walk it back because they're like oh yeah you, you, nobody wants to buy it let's lower the price and then people will buy it it's an equilibrium yeah you lower the price to the point where you maximize your sales and maximize your profits so be angry that's fine because you're going to get your way in the end they're going to walk this back i'm like 99 certain just they're a business you don't have to hate them for wanting to keep their business open and make money because that is how we get arena and we get to play it for free yeah and i, I agree now it, it... I'm happy to spend money on Arena, and I've already spent a good bit, and will probably spend a great deal more. Like, I bought the last Battle Pass. I think I'll buy the next one. I'm probably going to do a lot of drafts when the next format comes out uh, on Arena. And that's kind of where I've settled. We'll talk about this in a future show, but I think when a new format starts, drafting on Arena is the best thing ever. And then once you're ready to dive deeper, then maybe that's what Magic Online is still for. Yeah. Um, They did say on their Q&A video that Real people draft is still in the pipeline. They just don't have any information on it. Um, I believe I believe the quote was they're trying to how to trying to figure out how to make it more fun than bot drafting because if it's the same or less fun than bot drafting, obviously they have done something wrong. So we're free to speculate about what that is. That's but super good I news. Still, I still think we're getting it. It's just probably not this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we got it like mid next early year. next year. Yeah, early to mid next year. Which I mean, it is what it is, but. Sounds good to me. I'm ready for Before it. Before we go, speaking of the Mastery Pass, like, low-key, I think they did a really good job with the tweaks that they did to it and, and gave us, like, the the weekly wins instead of the daily wins. Like, that minor tweak, it totally improved my Battle Pass experience, and I think I maxed it out, uh, the, the basic pass, and then I bought the extended pass because um, it was really good value for me. Like, I think I'm only down a couple hundred gems, and I received a bunch of it back in pack value in that already. So like kudos to them for that. I really like what they've done with that. Yeah. I, I have bought battle passes in other games, PUBG primarily. Um, and I liked the way this one worked. i certainly feel like I got my value out of it. I got styles that I was interested in and I got a cat pet who doesn't want a cat pet. I mean, not only that too, but like it's, it's, it's very attainable for people that play a reasonable amount. And I, and I really like that. Like I've capped out, like I said, the, the 72 levels on the basic pass or whatever. Um, and there's still three weeks left to go before it expires. So people that are a few levels behind me still have a chance to get there. Um, and then they have an event coming up that we didn't really talk about. I think we'll talk about it next week where, um, if you chain wins together in the event, you can earn experience there too. So if you're a few levels away from the top, you can grind it out over the last couple of days. It looks like, which I think is pretty cool. And also a cat pet also a cat pet yeah kind of a big yeah. deal I, I like i like the packs myself because i like wild cards you're gonna need them for historic man i ain't playing no historic man all right fine get the heck out of here all right 
Well, I think that's it for this week, unless you got anything else. Nope. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, thanks to Face to Face Games for the support and the host. Travis, where can they catch you playing Classic Arena this week? <laughs> MTG Arena Classic. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Simulan. Did you have a bit of a brain fart there? Yeah, I really did. It was kind of surprising. I'm twitch.tv slash dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. Also on Twitter at the same. And you can follow us. We're at underscore arena underscore athletes. I will uh, post pictures of my draft decks from GP Vegas. Sounds good. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week. And I, I want to talk some more then about those, uh, those special events and the decks we're going to brew for them. That'll be fun. Absolutely looking forward to it. All right. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time. Adios.